Welcome to our podcast, Mistaking a Child Abuser. This podcast is a delve into a story where the civil justice system allowed a mother to alienate two beautiful little girls from their father, stepmother, siblings, step-siblings, grandparents, and others. This podcast is presented as fiction, although many of the events discussed did, in fact, actually happen. Some of the names have been changed, uh, but are definitely synonymous with uh, some situations that uh, can be researched uh, very easily, but in no way, shape, or form is this affiliated with or against any parties involved in the actual case, and once again, this is presented entirely as fiction. First of all, this situation is not one that is unique to class, gender, race, or otherwise. It is a situation that, that plagues America due to the high divorce rate. Uh, this places a tremendous impact on the civil justice system to hear the, hear the cases of divorce, decide child custody and child support issues, um, and it, the system itself lends itself to both interpretation and allows for the parties to essentially disrupt one another in, in many situations. Not always is this the case. In many cases, uh, some couples are able to dispense with their relationship and continue focus on on the children the children's well-being and otherwise and that is that is truly the best the best interest of the children when both parents are involved and seeking the best interest of the children in fact many of the the pre-divorce cases that you go to um, or or trainings or the classes that are required in many states encourage co-parenting at a level where each parent is a little bit of an authority and a little bit of a resource and uh, essentially split that responsibility to raise the children in a productive environment down the middle and uh, also hold each each party responsible. So the system itself um, lends itself to interpretation. By that, I mean, in many cases, there are still states where, uh, you know, predominantly men are, are never awarded custody and, and women have the sole right uh, just based on an antiquated idea uh, or ideology in, in the civil justice system, um, as is the case where uh, our story takes place in rural Georgia, uh, you know, initially a slave state, penal colony back in, uh, you know, lots of old money still, uh, racism arguably still very present in that state. Um, but uh, overall, the, the ideas in Georgia and a lot of the Deep South, in other words, and otherwise, uh, haven't changed for many years, which is scary to think that, that uh, you know, you, you could be in a situation where a case is heard and uh, 
the outcome is not consistent with the current the current times and how people uh, view fathers in relationships to their their kids and daughters and otherwise. You know, so that's the first thing we're going to take a look at is there's a there's a system that that allows uh, you know for these situations to occur. In in the situation at hand, uh, myself and my wife were accused of of child abuse um, in the middle of a custody case, so that uh, my uh, ex-wife could gain uh, some ground and uh, essentially have the upper hand in that case. Um, she was able to manipulate a. Uh, you know, a, a plethora of systems that are in place to protect many. Um, for instance, uh, there was a, a uh, Child Protective Services case. Uh, both my wife and I were interviewed, and uh, they, they essentially had already made up their mind and, uh, and were, were also helping in the creation of a case for my ex-wife against us to uh, to begin an alienation process, and then subsequently, um, you know, create allegations, uh, create false evidence, and otherwise just in, because of their uh, opinion of us at, at an interview, um, which which is extremely unfair to think that 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 can happen. It can happen. It can happen to anybody. Um, currently, the system supports anybody can go out and make any false claim against anyone. Um, the, the recourse is, is minimal. Um, the, if you were to attempt to file a defamation suit or otherwise, first of all, good luck and find an attorney that'll take it. And then secondly, get your wallet ready because it's uh, gonna be an expensive and stressful endeavor. But nonetheless, in this situation, uh, initially, there was uh, uh, a divorce case in in the late 2000s, and uh, the at, at the time there was a a tremendous case against my ex, and and had I not been thinking about the children at the time, I probably would have went to have her removed uh, from from their lives totally at that time. But uh, I I was thinking of the children. My attorney thought that we had a good case to go for full custody and uh, and limit her visitation to supervision and uh, and otherwise. However, it's uh, it was a conscious decision that I make because I I knew that uh, my my daughters loved their mother. My relationship with their mother was not theirs. Um, although I don't think she looked out in their best interest most of the time, I felt like they were reasonably safe in, uh, in most instance, instances and uh, wanted to preserve, um, you know, any misfortune that, that may occur from, from them essentially losing their mother uh, in, a, in a divorce case like that. So uh, that was my decision. Uh, initially, it, was, it went reasonably well. My ex was a pretty unresponsible person to begin with history of drug abuse. Um, she had, had uh, um, beaten the children from time to time, and in, in one case, uh, she was arrested and uh, removed 
after she had uh, left a baseball size mark on my daughter's forehead. Uh, and uh, the, my three-year-old at the time told myself and the police officer that that her mother had hit her. Um, but uh, she had relationships uh, within the police force, and those you know those those charges weren't investigated. They weren't um, pursued in any way, and there was really no effort made to uh, to protect the children after after she was allowed back into their lives. And and strangely enough, and terrible, uh, the first thing that she told my daughter when she was allowed to be back in her life was that that she couldn't tell anybody that mommy hit her or she wouldn't be able to see mommy again. So her, her mechanism with, with alienating the children and moving along those lines to get, uh, get control of their thoughts and, uh, and all of their actions was, was fear. Um, they loved their mother very much. She knew it and she used fear as a mechanism to influence them challenge their um, love for myself, their stepmother, and otherwise, and, and create terrible conflict uh, just with regards to the whole situation. But uh, after the initial case was finished, filed, uh, divorced, I was as mentioned, it was late 2009. In this case, it was very challenging. Uh, and at the time I was finishing up some school, I'd, I'd been moving into the medical profession. And, uh, and luckily, uh, my schedule allowed, um, you know, a, a lot of time with my children. I, uh, I, I paid child support as, as ordered. I, I got, was fortunate enough to get some real good advice from my attorney who said, whatever it is, the amount of child support will be too much to you and not enough to her. And his suggestion was to write the check, not dwell on it, not think about it. If I needed extra money, get a side hustle or get another job to make ends meet. So that's, uh, that's what I did. I paid the child support monthly. I didn't think about it. I, I uh, you know, wasn't angry about it. I felt like they were seeing some, some benefit from that. Although I don't, I don't really remember... Uh, you know, seeing them, um, you know, benefit tremendously from it. But it was, it was a challenging time as well. So I, uh, I really don't harbor any resentment uh, for that. I, uh, you know, still even even though I had haven't seen my kids for, um, for going on six years now, it's uh, it's something that I I just pay, and um, hope that uh, and they do benefit from it, and that. Uh, there is a way for them to see that uh, see that there was some responsibility maintained uh, throughout through throughout that uh, that order. So the uh, the challenge began initially. Uh, well, it, it's hard to hard to put it at a, a starting point because it was always a challenging situation. Um, like I said, she used the kids against themselves uh, she used the kids against her and me and and uh, in any situation that was her method of manipulation uh, she knew I, I would do just about anything uh, for the kids if it was she needed an extra hundred bucks here or there or whatever and and she'd let me get the kids uh, an extra week and then then to me that was money well spent 
but the uh, the challenge began when I met my my current wife. Um, uh, as mentioned, I, I'm in the medical profession, so she we're both uh, uh, licensed, um, held accountable to uh, behave professionally and personally, um, or or uh, risk losing our license. So the uh, there was tremendous jealousy immediately from you know on on my ex's behalf uh, re- regarding my my new wife because uh, she felt that that uh, likely because she was threatened uh, that, that the children may may like her identify more uh, with her than than herself so um, e- immediately what to, what changed is uh, she she began to interfere with uh, you know with, with custody um, numerous numerous times go to pick up the kids either from school or uh, or her house and and the she's called the police they're there she's coaching the kids the kids are saying they're scared to go uh, all these things and and it's just it puts law enforcement in a very challenging situation but uh, I, I think overall if there's a, a court order that uh, that custody's joint and that there's custody on certain days and they should enforce it uh, one way uh, most of the time they they side with the primary custodian, which is which is terrible. But uh, a lot of that's left up to um, the the judgment of, of the officer, and, and it's not their battle to fight. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got to think that you're you're doing the right stuff. But uh, nonetheless, as mentioned, um, you know, one of the instances that. Uh, that she interfered with custody was I was uh, picking up the children at at school and uh, she and her boyfriend showed up. Her boyfriend had a gun on his side, you know, had a sidearm. Uh, I I do believe he was law enforcement. He wasn't in uniform. And the the school principal and this is in uh, Bartow County, Georgia. You can look it up. Uh, there, the principal mistook the her boyfriend as the school resource officer and um was getting his input and I was like what was going on here so I it it was a very dangerous situation first of all you got people that are heated uh you got uh this highly emotional situation going on in this instance and then there's somebody with a gun and to me, it was just appalling. So I, I emailed um, the the superintendent at the time. I think it was Mr. Knowles, and uh, explained the situation to him. He sent an email back, dismissed the whole situation, never let the public know anything. And uh, that was when it was very evident that we were in a dire situation. At at, at this point, we uh, we were we were scared. Um, we knew that she was going to, to likely file a case, likely cause disruption and otherwise, and begin to take measures to, uh, kind of scale back on, uh, on visitation to not put ourselves in a, in a damaging situation or create, uh, an opportunity for her to use some of this stuff against us. So, um, 
she did file a case very very shortly after all the you know initially as mentioned it was interfering with custody it was it was saying that uh, that the girls were afraid to go it was saying that uh, you know they they were abused there they didn't get along with their step siblings uh, all all these things um, that that just weren't weren't present that were just strictly made up but uh, you know nonetheless uh, we chose to take a back seat and uh, decided to just kind of wait and uh, you know for her to do her predictable move which was to file um, so she she did file a case for for of course full custody a uh, billion dollars a month in child support uh, I mean just just everything under the sun um, with a, citing a bunch of false accusations and and otherwise so we uh, her initial attempt to to file was in the wrong county so that was that was thrown out immediately um, had a very good attorney negotiate that in uh, in in Bartow County and and that's great um, but uh, subsequently we uh, she filed another suit and then began to call the school and tell them that that there was a new case and that I wasn't allowed to pick them up and that they were in danger and all these other things so we got an attorney and uh, you know requested a hearing right away um, the the case was heard in in Paulding County uh, or, or was going to be I don't think it was I mean it was never actually her because we had to wind up in a situation where we were pretty much forced to settle but uh, at the at one of the first hearings my my attorney at the time uh, recommended uh, adding a guardian ad litem to the case to to help look out in the best interests of of the children and uh, and we thought it was a good idea we thought if if that that guardian ad litems were to look at the best interest of the children that to hear concerns address concerns and all these things so we we agreed on that and um, very very quickly we had a meeting with the guardian ad litem and it was her name was uh, uh, Deborah Pelrossi um, and uh, she practiced in in central Georgia there uh, the North Metro area she um, our initial contact with her would seem very straightforward she seemed interested she seemed concerned uh, she sat there and listened to us and we had multiple instances where where all these things uh, had happened to the kids where they had been coached against us where we'd been falsely accused of things where um, where she had taken them to get forensic forensically interviewed about some situation and uh, our impression when we left the the guardian ad litem you know with these big concerns of course of about our licenses and and all these other things is that there was going to be some immediate change um, and that we were hopeful and and grateful to have the opportunity to to sit down with the the guardian ad litem someone looking out for the best interest of the kids and uh, you know we were we we felt that uh, we had finally been heard um, but this was very short-lived um, immediately I think that day she had a meeting with 
with my ex, and then I had a phone call that evening with her, and, and the first thing out of her mouth was, I think this case is about clothes. And I, I said, I excuse me, did you say clothes? Like clothing? Like clothing you wear? Are, are you on this planet with us? Because our professional licenses are in jeopardy because of false accusations, and you think the case is about clothes. Okay. So that, uh, that was essentially the uh, end of any good idea that the guardian ad litem was, uh, was going to do anything productive, um, in, in the kid's best interest, which, which is terrible. I, they take an oath to maintain an ethical boundary in their practice and to, and to look out for the best interest of, of their clients in other words. And, and it was just blatantly disregarded. Um, so given the situation, given that it was my children, given that uh, we had had many accusations against us, I um, was a little bit emotional about it and, and addressed an immediate concern to my attorney, who at the time assured me that, uh, you know, he knew her personally and that she would look into it and uh, get to the bottom of what was going on. So that was uh, mostly scary. Uh, because essentially once a guardian ad litem is added to a case, the, the attorneys are at the mercy of the recommendations. So I felt like that, was, that situation was dire. I felt like uh, the either, either there was a very strong misunderstanding or there was some incompetence or there was a different drive to her motivation for taking the case perhaps money or financial gain, which, which I'll allude to a little bit, uh, was probably the, the, uh, the culprit in that. Um, I think she saw the, might have saw the case as a way to just, uh, you know, rack up some dollar signs for her new boat or, or tit job or whatever in the hell else was, was on the menu there. Um, but, uh, it wasn't the best interest of the children. Otherwise, we'd have been having a different conversation instead of one about clothes. So anyhow, uh, situation pretty much the same, bad to worse, uh, with someone else essentially on her side and in the position to be, to be manipulated. Um, so the, the next, uh, the next situation was, uh, one where the girls uh, went went camping with us um, up in up in North Georgia, and, and my youngest daughter at the time was was riding a bicycle, and uh, she the handlebars were a little bit too low, and when she was turning the corners here or there, the handlebars were kind of hitting her legs and left just a a small abrasion, you know, basically on, on each leg, uh, not, uh, you know, there's just nothing else that would, would cause that. So, um, when we re returned the kids, uh, of course my, my ex, uh, was immediately taking pictures and saying, you know, Elena says that you beat her with a belt and, uh, 
you know, that she was trying to come home and all these things. And at, at that point, I knew the situation was going to go from bad to worse. And uh, at, at that time, we were about a year into uh, into the case, uh, the the custody case. And there also had been, uh, you know, some some false allegations where, where my wife had actually been arrested. So she had a pending criminal case. Um, and, and at that time, shortly after this uh, specific instance, um, my, my ex took the kids in, had them forensically interviewed again, and, and uh, the detective from Paulding County, uh, I believe her name was Detective Hussman, she called and uh, said that she needed to speak with me about some allegations, and uh, that uh, was a, another challenging situation on, on our side that uh, would need to be dealt with. So this is all for episode one. Uh, please tune back in. Would definitely be happy if you did so, and uh, we'll continue the story. It's uh, not a pleasant one, but I think it happens to a lot of people out there. And uh, mostly the purpose of the podcast is to just add a healing process to, to ourselves and then also uh, reinforce to others out there that uh, th- this situation is is uh, not unique. Um, if you're going through this situation, you're not alone. Um, and to, you know, endure and uh, pursue what's right uh, with, with, within your rights and your relationships. And hopefully everything will turn out for the best. But thank you for your time. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, next podcast uh, ne- next week.